Morning, church. Oh, you guys can do better than the first service, I know. Good morning, church. Oh, that was so good, good, good. Man, I am so honored and pleased to be here. I, I uh, want to thank Mark and Laura. Man, they have been such a blessing to my life. I know that they have been a blessing to your life. I trust that. I believe that. Come on. I, I just heard almost 20 years. Come on, church. Give, give honor where honor is due. Almost 20 years. Man, I'm surprised he's even still alive. I don't need, I don't mean. <laughs> he said, so am I, yeah. Man, I, I put my, I, when I grow up, let me just tell you this. When I grow up, I wanna be as fit and as in shape as Mark. That's all I'm saying. I put my arm around that guy, I was like, dude, I didn't know the rock was in the house. Come on, man. He made me feel bad and motivated me at the same time. You know what I mean? I, uh, let's, let's turn to Ephesians chapter four. My, my purpose and my, my um, reason for being here today really is just to point us to the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the love and the favor of God. And so we're gonna look at Ephesians. If you have a Bible, if you have a smart device, turn there, they're gonna put the, uh, the scriptures on the screen. Ephesians chapter four, starting with verse 11. And I'm gonna read at this point down through verse 16. It says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church. Now let me just pause right here for a second. Every time I speak somewhere, I always have trouble getting through it. I love the word of God so much, man. It's just, there's so much richness in here. This, these are the gifts that God gave to the church. The church is who Jesus lived a perfect life for. He lived a perfect life. He died, he rose, he ascended, he gathered his church, and then he gave his church gifts. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ right there. That's the gospel of God, the good news. He gave himself for the church. And he gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's their responsibility to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church. That's you, that's me, that's us together. That's all of us together, the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth instead. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. More and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Verse 16, he makes. Somebody say, he makes. Come on, say it a little louder. He makes. 
That's good news right there. He makes, God makes the whole body fit together perfectly. I'm not perfect. <laughs> You're not perfect. Your spouse is not perfect. Don't poke anybody. Don't, don't, don't look around too much. But he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Can I get your help this morning? Can you guys help me out today? I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to announce my title to, to them, to your neighbor. Say, grace changes everything. Just look to your neighbor, say, grace changes everything. Now look to the person that you left out and tell them grace changes everything, everything. Can I, I need to make a confession uh, before I go on. I need to confess to you that, that just because God took me out of my junk doesn't mean all of my junk is out of me. Hello, come on. <laughs> How many of you can, can, can identify with that? Man, if, if you, let me just tell you, if you don't think you still got some old nature and some old junk in you, just ask your wife. She'll tell you all, she'll have a list for you. She'll go down, it'll be alphabetized. I know every little thing. I'm so glad that God is still working on me. Come on, are you, can you thank him today? I'm so glad that he's not finished with me yet. He's still working on me. The grace of God changes everything. He doesn't just stop when he, when he brings me to life. He doesn't just stop when he saves me, when he transforms me. He carries me and he continues to work in and through my life. How many of you can say today, I'm not who I will be, but oh, thank God I'm not who I was. Come on, somebody thank him today. I'm not who I was. He's a good God and his grace changes and transforms everything in our life. For about 10 years, I had discipled Mark. Not, not, not that Mark. Um, <laughs> that got awkward really fast, didn't it? Um, this was a different Mark. And I'd been discipling Mark. Mark was an alcoholic. I'm just being transparent with you. Mark was an alcoholic. As a matter of fact, I, there was times when he would come over to my house you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, and we'd sit down and we'd have coffee together. M Mark lived across the road from my house. And I was just loving and discipling Mark and just being there as a friend. And he would come over, he'd have coffee, and he'd get about halfway done with his first cup of coffee, and then he'd reach in his pocket, and he'd pull out a beer. And he'd have a beer. Sometimes he would even say, hey, man, you want one? I've got some extra pockets. You know, they're still full. You know, we'll, we'll get you some. And, you know, I was just like, eh, you know, uh, maybe later, but still early, you know. No, I'm kidding. Um, I remember one day, 
I was coming home from the office and Mark called me. <laughs> Mark called me and he had some very colorful language. I won't use that because, you know, I don't want Mark to come up here and beat me up. But, um, you know, he, 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 was, he called me and he said, man, I'm once beep, beep, you know, he's beep, beep, I'm mean something, beep, beep, you know, and I don't know what the beep's going on, you know, but I don't want to be this way anymore. And I, I listened to all the beep, beep, beeps, and then I finally just heard, I don't want to be this way anymore. I don't know what the beep is going on, but something is changing in me. And I was just, he said, he said, Johnny, will you come and just read the book of Mark to me? Because this is literally what he said. He said, read the book of Mark because my mother named me Mark, and I, I want to know what the beep Mark had to say. I went right to his house, and I read from the book of Mark. And I, I, I need to give you full disclosure here. Mark kept drinking. You know what I mean? Because just reading a few Bible verses, it's not magic. It's not some guru formula of magical potion. You just read some scriptures, and then everything is okay. He continued to drink. And one hot August morning, Mark came over to my house and we had a cup of coffee. Mark had a six pack <laughs> and, uh, and he left my house and he went back home. Well, about six o'clock that night, his wife was frantically knocking on my door. And I, I went to the door. I said, hey, you know, what's, what's going on? She, she said, I, Mark's outside. I, he can't walk. He can't talk. He can't speak. Uh, I, and I can't get him in the house. And so I walked over. We, she, they lived across the road. I walked over with her. And I literally had to physically carry Mark through his garage and get him into the house as he's just randomly reaching for items and mumbling under his breath. And I literally had to convince his wife to call 911. She, you know, she was just like, well, we're just give him some water and, you know, we can go on. I said, if you don't get the ambulance here, he's going to die. Call the ambulance. They showed up. Three months, Mark detoxed from alcohol. I talked to one of the nurses. She said, we've never seen anybody take that long to detox. He spent time in the hospital. At, uh, once he was done, they put him in a rehab center because he had been in a coma. I remember, I remember being there vi visiting while he was in a coma, and he's in a coma, unaware of anything going on, and he's going like this, laying in the bed, just going like that. Once he got out of rehab. Mark showed up at our church at the time that I was pastoring, and God transformed that man's life. Within a month, within a month, um, I got a call from Mark, and he had found, he'd gotten up one morning after this amazing transformation. He had gotten up one morning and found his wife dead on the bathroom floor of alcohol poisoning. And to be honest, Mark, I thought, man, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he's going to just fall off the wagon or, you know, what he was going to do. And as I continued to walk with him, 
And God continued to walk with him. I buried his wife. We walked through the funeral and I watched God continue to walk with Mark and he kept him. He kept him healthy. He kept him growing and he kept him full of love because the grace of God doesn't just stop when we are transformed. It walks with us and it carries us all the way to completion. Somebody thank God today that he didn't give up on you. He doesn't give up on us. Even in all of our mess and all of our junk and all of our, our, our failures and all the stuff that we walk through, he just doesn't give up because grace, grace isn't finished when we are forgiven. Grace carries us to completion. Look at that verse 16 again. He makes God can do it. Tell your neighbor, God can do it. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what your difficulty is today. I don't know what your struggle is, your, your anxiety, your fear, your worry, your bitterness, your anger. God can do it. He can work a work in your life that will transform everything in your life. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. That's a beautiful picture as you walk through the, the, the book of Ephesians and, and it, as it's talking about the grace of God that, that has this, this mysterious plan to bring together those who are close to God and those who are far away. It's a beautiful picture of grace and goodness of God. See, I used to believe and I was, I was taught when I was little that you're saved by grace. That's Ephesians chapter two. Saved by grace, transformed, brought into a relationship, newness of life, that that is by the grace of God. But somehow, somehow I either was taught or I caught it, one of the two. I, I had this idea that somehow along the way, once my life was transformed, then I maintain God's favor by merit. Or I maintain his favor by doing good things. You know, if I do the right thing, or if I say the right thing, or if I act the right way. When I was, when I, when I grew up, a lot of times the believer was known more by what they didn't do really than what they did. If you don't do the wrong things, if you don't go to the wrong places, if you don't say the wrong things, if you don't drink and you don't smoke and you don't chew and you don't date who girls who do, then you'll be okay and in my favor. But I found out that God's grace doesn't just cleanse, but it keeps and it carries. As a matter of fact, Philippians 1, 6 says that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. He's not done with you yet. Men, he's not finished with you yet. Wives, he's not finished with your husbands yet. Husbands, he's not finished. Teenagers, parents, he's not finished with your teenager yet. All is not lost. He's still working in their lives because grace changes everything. Grace, what is, what is this word grace? Grace, 
Maybe you've heard this phrase before. I don't know if you have. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's getting what, and when we say that, when I, when I say it, it kind of, it's kind of like just kind of rolls off my lips and it, and it feels good. And oh yeah, grace is getting what we don't deserve. But, but somehow, a lot of times we have this sense that grace basically kind of fills in the gaps. Like I meet God part of the way. You know, I can kind of clean myself up and get, get myself out and work my way out of my mess. And God, because of his grace and his goodness, he meets me there. And it kind of fills in the gaps. I do what I can do, and then God does what he can do. And it kind of matches up, and it starts to fit together. But that's not, that's not the biblical grace that Paul is teaching to the Ephesians. Imagine, if you will, I know this is a little bit morbid, but imagine, if you will, you're dead. You're dead in a dungeon. You're dead in a dungeon that is damp and dark and there's mud and there's feces on the floor and you're dead laying in all of this filth and and. Jesus, this is grace. Jesus, a lot of times we think, well, I have to get up out of that and and Jesus comes in and meets me. But that's not the picture that Paul is painting here. Jesus, here's the picture. Jesus walks into your dungeon, past the gates, past the bars, past the guards, walks in to the prison, walks into your cell, walks down into the dungeon, reaches down as you're laying dead in your filth and takes you by the hand and breathes life into you while you were dead, Ephesians chapter two. He gave you life. He takes you by the hand, lifts you up out of the muck and the mire and the sin and the filth and breathes life into you and walks you then. He walks you out of your dungeon. He walks you out of the prison. He walks you past the guards. He tells them bye, puts his arm around you, gives you clothes, gives you something to eat, provides a job for you, and then lives with you and becomes your best friend for the rest of your life. That church, that's grace. That's the goodness of God. It's not us somehow making up the difference that God can't do. He does it. It is by his, and that's scandalous. Can I just tell you, that's scandalous because somehow at times we want to add something to it. I gotta do a little bit of something. There's surely there's some good, but his grace transforms everything. Look at verse 17, 17 through 24. With the Lord's authority, I say this. This is, again, this is Paul speaking, writing to the church in Ephesus about the mysterious, scandalous grace plan of God. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. Now this is, 
This word Gentiles right here, basically he's, he's referring to those who are outside of the redemptive grace of God, those who, who, who do not yet have a relationship with God, who has not been brought to life from their dead state. And you'll hear him say it, they and, and them and they and they. You'll hear it here. Look at, he says, live no longer as the Gentiles for they are hopeless. See, he's pointing out. He's not saying this is us. He's pointing out to they. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. And you're reading this and you're going, wow, Paul, you kind of went dark and gloomy right there. Watch how he flips the script. Verse 20 says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, that way of darkness, that way of death, throw off that former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God. Listen to this. Truly righteous and holy. Throw off the old and put on the new. Because grace doesn't merely change my life. Grace changes my whole life story. It transforms my whole life story. Look at that verse again, 22 and 24. Throw off your old sinful nature, put on your new. Now, years ago, I used to think that, you know, that was like this calm, structured, thing that happened, you know, like, like you take off, you're taking off, I'm not gonna take anything off, so don't get weirded out, but like you're taking off, everybody's like, oh God, help us, Jesus. Um, but you're like, you're taking off something and you put it on a hammer, a, a hanger, you know, and you put it in your closet and then you take a garment off and you put it on, but that's not what Paul was describing here. He said, what do you say? Throw, look at verse 22, throw it off. Throw it off as far as you can get it away from you. Throw it off. Don't just take it off and kind of set it over in the corner to, to kind of maybe go back to it a little bit later when times are tough. No, throw it off. He's not, he, he doesn't have some, you know, some, some points of to-dos and don'ts list right here. He's not providing a punch list for us. He's literally pointing to the scandalous, powerful grace of God that causes us no longer to want that old life. Now I want to be renewed in this new life. I used to be this way. I was that way. I was angry or I was bitter or I was broken or I was, uh, I was lustful. 
or I was deceitful or whatever that may be. But he said, I'm throwing that off and I'm putting on this new nature, this new nature that is good and holy and righteous. He does give us a, a warning. Look at verse 6 of Ephesians chapter 5. Paul does warn us, he says, don't be fooled by those who are trying to excuse these sins. Now, we didn't read what sins Paul was talking about right there. You can read that in verses one through five. You can do that uh, on your own time. But what he's talking about is those who were involved in sexual immorality and, and impurity and greed. He gives a, 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 some other things, you know, like obscene stories or foolish talk or chores. Uh, coarse jokes. He says, these are not for you. These are not for us. These are not for those who are in and under and, and with the scandalous grace of God. That's not for you. Well, the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do for what, there it is, once you were full of darkness once you were full of darkness. How many of you are thankful that I'm not full of darkness anymore? Come on, I have the light of God. I'm so thankful for his goodness and his grace. He says, once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you, oh, this is, a, this is such an important word right here. The light that is within you produces what is good and right and true. See, God's grace doesn't free us for us to walk in the flesh. It doesn't free us. Instead, it breaks the bondage of sin in our life. Grace doesn't merely cover my sin is what Paul is saying. It doesn't just cover my sin. Grace produces power over my sin. It's the grace of God. It produces. It doesn't manipulate. It doesn't force. For the light within you produces only what is good and right and true. It produces Grace empowers. What does that mean? Grace changes. It changes my will. Grace changes the things that I want. It changes my propensities. It changes my proclivities. It changes my priorities. What's important to me, what used to be important to me, is no longer important to me because the grace of God has changed everything in my life. It changes my attitude and my mindset. How many of you know that you need an attitude adjustment every now and then? I'm just saying, sometimes we need a little attitude adjustment. And the grace of God changes our attitudes. It changes how we see people. When the grace of God is working in your life, People are no longer just something that you see like, like they're in the way and they're a nuisance that you need to be nice to. Now suddenly the grace of God is working in us and I see someone that's loved by God. Even 
even if they're in a car in your way in traffic and you want to shoot them in the head. I'm just saying, not all my junk is out of me. I'm just saying, you know. But it changes the way that we, that we see people. It changes our willingness. Watch this, watch this, watch this. It changes our willingness to forgive. It'll even change your willingness to ask for forgiveness. I faced that just this past week. I had to ask someone for forgiveness because all my junk is not out of me yet. And I do stupid stuff sometimes. I know all of you are holy and you don't do anything. You know, I understand that, but I'm just talking about me. It changes everything. It changes so that we're willing to reconcile with people when we have broken relationships. And it's no longer, I'm just offended, and so I don't want anything to do with you. Yes, you hurt me, but I'm not offended, so I will reconcile with you. It changes everything. It changes my work ethic. Changes my language. Changes my language from gossip and, 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 you know, being rude or negativity or tearing people down. And now it changes my language to where I want to build you up. I don't want to speak life to you. I want to give you the goodness of God. And I want to speak grace into your life. I want to speak mercy over your life. And you can do it. And God's working in your life. And it's going to be okay. And you can handle those teenagers and all the crazy nuts of your life because God's grace changes. Come on, church. It changes everything does. It changes, it changes what I do with my time. Where I, I, I now I, now I want to give them my time and I want to serve and I want to volunteer and I want to do things. I want to be a part of something bigger than my own selfishness. It, cha- it changes what we do with our money. Gives me a generous heart. Man, I need, can I just tell you, I need that because my wife, PJ, she is, she scares me. I'll just be honest with you. She's just giving money away. Just, ah, just bless them, you know, just bless them over here. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, let's be generous, but let, you know, let's don't be crazy. But it's, it's something that God is still working on me. When I grow up, I want to be like my wife. Yeah. Because it's the grace of God that works in us. It's not us pushing through our emotions and I want to grit and I'm going to grind and I'm going to change. No, it's the grace of God that pours over your life. And now I don't have to do anything, but now I want to because the goodness of God, he's been so gracious to me. Why would I not be gracious and love him back and worship and honor him? Because he's been so good to my life. He pulled me out of my mud. He pulled me out of the mess of my life. I was dead. I was broken and he spoke life into me and he's still walking with me today because his grace changes everything. See, perhaps 
Perhaps Jesus has walked into your dungeon today. Maybe you were dead, spiritually dead, not terminally ill, you know, not, not just broken, but dead. And maybe this morning he's walking, Jesus is walking these aisles and maybe he's grabbing you by the hand and he's breathing life into you. And I'm just gonna tell you today, he's not gonna just stop right there. He's gonna lift you up. He's gonna walk you out of the mess. He'll clean you up and he'll walk with you out of the prison and, and create this amazing, amazing life journey that he is designed just for you. It's not some generalized, yeah, you know, I'm gonna give you a good life and, you know, things are gonna be all. No, he's designed, he has grace designed just for you. A life designed of journey through his grace, just designed specifically for you. See, grace is not, doesn't only produce spiritual life. Grace produces a life lived by the Spirit. Oh, that's, that's, not, that's not the grace that I grew up learning about. That's a grace that is so good that it absolutely, it's scandalous. It just, it just boggles my mind how good God is to reach down and pull me out I wasn't even reaching for him and he pulled me out. See, every person here today, from the top of the balcony, all the way over to this wing, all the way here, all the way down to the very front row, God has an amazing story of scandalous grace journey to walk with you. And it's, it's, it's this amazing life of just trusting and knowing that no matter what my past looked like, no matter what my present may look like, God's got an amazing story of grace for me. I wanna actually close in prayer and this prayer, I don't normally read prayers, you know, when I'm done speaking, but I wrote this and I put this prayer in my book. And I specifically want to read this prayer from this particular chapter. Father, thank you. Thank you for your scandalous grace. Thank you for breathing spiritual life into every one of your children. Thank you for loving us enough not to leave us the way we were. Thank you for, thank you for transforming us past, present, and future. When we slip into trying to work or perform our way into your favor, remind us of your scandalous grace that carries us all the way to completion. 
or change our whole life story. Give us new desires and new proclivities and patterns. Apply your scandalous grace that grants power over sin so that we will live our lives in the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your finished work. In Jesus' name, amen.